Now let's have a silent prayer. Amen. Uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we continue into our next session. So, holiness, bearing fruit, is, is part of our salvation. Right? It is our salvation. So, I'd like you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, I want you to read verse 23 and verse 24. The word of God is so wonderful, I just can't believe I missed that verse out until I read it just now. Let's look at verse 23 and 24. Uh, everyone read uh, First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 and 24. One, two, three, go. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, he who calls you is faithful who also will do it. Right? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through him. We believe that. So now, since you believe that, you have to believe everything that he said he's going to do. You mustn't read the gospel as a bunch of requirements only, but that the gospel reveal God's requirements, what Jesus wants to carry out on you and me yeah how do we know this well if you look at verse 23 think about it the bible says god himself is going to sanctify us completely make us perfectly holy in what way our spirit our soul our body every single thing every single thing now if you read verse 23 without verse 24 you are going to say completely god wants me to be completely holy that's not possible how can i be completely holy well you've got to follow the gospel right so if you just read the do you know what i mean yeah Usually when we read, oh, John 3, 5 says, yeah, you need to be born of water, born of the Spirit. Oh, yeah, that is really, really important. And then Jesus says, oh, you need to ask and he will do it. We believe that, right? But when we turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, what do we do? We read it just as a letter. Wrong. That is why we are weak. We are weak because we read bits of the Bible in a different way. The words of Jesus is the whole Bible. 
So therefore, if we take the words of Jesus as gospel, we need to believe that the gospel is through the apostles and the Old Testament prophets, true? So therefore, when you read the words of the apostles, it is part of the gospel by which Jesus will judge us. So if you don't believe any part of the Bible, you won't be perfectly holy because you're doubting or diluting or downgrading different parts of the Bible according to your feeling. True? So when you look into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, you should read it in the reverse, right? He who calls you is faithful, he will do it. Do what? He will make you holy perfectly. He will do it. Now the devil doesn't want you to believe that. He wants you to believe, you know what? You're imperfect, you're sinful, you're stubborn, you stay where you are. You will never be able to change. You've tried, you've tried. See, you've tried so much. You think about perfection, forget it. You can't even improve, forget it. Stop praying, just lose hope, it's easier. Can you see the, the wrong mentality that comes into our minds? Now, who has been working on us instead of God working on us? Two things, the evil one and we suckers. Suckers, you know what suckers? North American, right? Sucker. Uh. Silly, silly people, right? Yeah, we're suckers, right? That is what we've got to admit. I was wrong. I let the evil one work on me, run me round, and I was totally confused. I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't believe in his whole word. No wonder. I've been captured for so long and I have not been released. Yeah? So I want you to turn to another verse in Exodus because this is really revealing, okay? Because this is going to test your hearts whether you believe the Old Testament is part of the prophetic scriptures that speaks to our spiritual self, right? So let's go to Exodus. Exodus chapter 5. Now, when you look at Exodus chapter 5, we find it that Pharaoh did a really mean, cruel thing, right? So let's look at verse, uh, verse 10. Yeah, Exodus chapter 5, verse 10. Yeah, verse 10. The second part. Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw, verse 11, go get yourself straw where you, can, where you can find it, yet none of your work will be 
reduced. Okay? And then we go and continue, right? So when you look at Pharaoh, what was the purpose of Pharaoh when he reduced the straw? What was the whole purpose? What was the whole purpose? Yeah, let's turn to Exodus. Exodus chapter 5, let's look at verse 9. Exodus chapter 5, verse 9. Uh, everyone, let's read. I want you to mark this verse down, okay? Exodus chapter 5, verse 9. Verse 9, 1, 2, 3, go. Let more work be laid on the men that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. You get me? Right? Sorry, I keep repeating myself. Bad habit. I don't know why my email. Okay. So when you look at Exodus chapter 5, right? Exodus chapter 5, verse 9. So what was the whole motivation for Pharaoh to make their life, Israelites' life harder? What was the purpose? So that they won't pay attention to the words of God. Is that clear? Right? Now, this is testing you whether you believe that the word of God is prophetic in nature, right? Let's go to Judges, uh, uh, Revelations. Yeah, Revelations. Revelations. Chapter 11, verse 8. Revelations, chapter 11, verse 8. Verse 8. Revelations, chapter 11, verse 8. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So, from Revelation chapter 11, verse 8, tells you that whenever the Bible talks about Egypt, it represents what? 
the world spiritually yeah so since we believe in jesus we understand how to read the old testament through the new testament so when we now look into the old testament about how the israelites were in egypt how pharaoh was making the life suffocating or confusing making life really hard for the israelites it's the same way that the world makes our life hard so that we don't have enough love belief in the truth of god's word so if you are really busy 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 too busy to even pray and cultivate and pursue for righteousness well you are still in egypt i'm sorry your heart is still in egypt because you've been brought up to live a life of egypt thinking this is my salvation my salvation is i live in egypt so i get super busy i can't work on my salvation i can't correct myself i cannot be holy but this is my salvation okay so that is where we grow wrong yeah so we find it that in revelations exodus and what we've talked about is that we need to let god make us completely holy but that is why the bible says we need to love god with all our heart with all our soul with all our mind or with all our strength if you don't pursue to do this you find it you can't grow you need to sign over your whole life to god first and then god will help you yeah love god with all your heart soul mind strength right everything right get your priority right and then you will notice very soon that god is going to make you holier than you were before okay okay so now i want you to turn to second peter chapter one yeah second peter chapter one verse two to four second peter chapter one second peter chapter one verse two to four now we may not have realized this but you know second peter chapter three verse 18 right that is just the end bit because i'm trying to teach you to take things into context right join the scriptures together so that you have a fuller picture yeah so just now i i highlighted exodus chapter 5 right verse 9 and then i highlighted revelations right chapter 11 right so when you put these two verses together what is the understanding that we get oh man i could be in egypt i could be yeah okay so now the same way when we look at second peter chapter 3 now we need to come back to second peter chapter 1 right let's look at verse 2 yeah second peter chapter 2 verse 1 grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of god and of jesus our lord now i want you to slow that down and i want you to use a pen if possible or use your computer and i want you to type out these words grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of god and of jesus 
our Lord. Right? Now, if you do this, basically you're doing two things. You're not just copying, you are inscribing, and as you are transcribing, you are at the same time putting it in your mind. Do you remember in Deuteronomy, it talks about the kings needs to copy out the law. Do you remember? Do you know? How many of you don't know? How many of you don't know? In Deuteronomy, it talks about the kings, they need to keep a copy of the law. If you don't know, put your hand up. Come on, be honest. You don't know. Let's turn to Deuteronomy. Yeah, Deuteronomy. Right, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18. I also did not know it before, right? So now I'm telling you what I didn't know before, now you know, right? So you can tell other people, right? Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18 says, Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites. Yeah? Remember, Jesus is the king of kings. Right? We have been made kings. So therefore, we as spiritual kings, we need to make a copy of the law. Right? So I will highly recommend and encourage you all, even though we live in a digital world, I want you to have a notebook and start copying out some scriptures. You will realize it's very tasty because you are giving your whole attention to the Word of God. When you copy it, it makes a massive difference. Okay, so let's come back to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. So what bits can we get from verse 2? What bits of information can we get from verse 2? Well, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Right? So this is a blessing. The blessing is, when I come to know God, knowledge of Jesus our Lord, then not only grace be multiplied, peace be multiplied. True? Now, this is the blessing. So the word of God is spiritual, and then when I reflect upon my faith experience, I says, oh, I only know the grace and peace for the sins that have been forgiven long, long time ago. So that was so long ago. I am not experiencing grace and peace is supposed to be multiplied. I'm not experiencing that. So that means something must be wrong in my knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Because if I know God properly, then the grace of God and the peace of God will be multiplied. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots, right? But I'm only experiencing one grace, two peace, something like that, right? So something's wrong. So it must be 
I may not be re relying on the Holy Spirit to read the Bible properly. My life is not based upon the basic doctrines. Right? Can I give you one particular example? Yeah? Can I give you one particular example just to let you know? So we know that Jesus Christ is the one true God. Amen? One true God. Now, since we regard Jesus to be the one true God, does Jesus know all things? He knows all things. But now, think about it. Do we live life based upon the truth, Jesus knows all things? We don't. If you do, you are a liar. Big, big liar. Sorry. You can hate me all you want, but I'm going to say it. We all are a bunch of liars. I'll tell you why, right? Well, you know, Jesus knows yesterday, today, and tomorrow, right? He knows. But then I'm worried for small stuff. As if he doesn't know what to do. Does that make sense? Right? Sometimes there are things that are not right in our hearts. We don't think Jesus cares how we think. We don't think like that. We don't live by the basic doctrine. We don't. We just choose bits and pieces and we don't live our life every moment knowing Jesus knows all things. We don't. When we care about the truth that Jesus knows all things, does that make a massive difference to our spiritual life? It does, doesn't it? Suddenly, God's grace to you grows massively. Suddenly, the peace in your heart grows massively. But because our knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, right? One true God, right? Is so limited, that is why we don't experience grace and peace multiplied to us. Yeah? Let's do another one. Parents, right? <laughs> we worry about our children, don't we? Do we worry about our children? We do, right? He says, oh, they, they can't do this, they can't do that, so therefore they will die. They'll have a horrible future, right? Do you know what I mean? But hang on. I thought God knows all things. Oh, that's another thing. Does God provide? We've got all things are possible. Does God have a plan for all of us? It's the most important that we are saved. Well, if we believe that is the one true God and that is the truth, that is theory or is it the truth? If I incorporate the truth into my life, how do I see my kids? Thank God they are saved. 
God is going to look after them like they God look after me all the days of my life. How God look after my parents, look after them, look after me, look after them. Same, right? Do you have peace? Do you have peace? Do you have peace? Yes, you do. Silly people. Yeah? We worry and stress out for no reason. Yeah? Why do we get stressed out? Because we compare. We compare. Yeah? We compare and says, duh. Yeah? So that is why we have a lack of grace and a lack of peace. Yeah? So I'm just using these two examples to say, if you have the correct knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, our Lord, one true God, right? His teaching, his whole word, then grace and peace will be multiplied. You're free. Don't you want to be free? Or do you want to be stressed like other people that don't have God? That are not saved? Do you want to live under Pharaoh and say, yeah, you've got to work harder. Do this, do this, do this, do that, do this, do that. There. And then say that you've really tried really hard, but actually you missed the point of faith in Jesus Christ. Don't let Pharaoh, Satan, humiliate you anymore. Acknowledge, I have been wrong. I was taught wrong. I learned wrong. Now I focus on the words of Jesus. That's how you should read the Bible. Yeah? So I've brought out the understanding that our mentality towards God's word is that there's lots of filters. You know filters? Now you've got a filter. Oh, this is oh the words of Jesus. So I've got to, you know. Yeah? Oh, the Old Testament? Oh, it's just the Old Testament. That's a filter. Because you filter it out. And then you look at Revelation. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's mysterious. You just filter it out. And so when you do that, what happens? The Word of God has no chance for you to be renewed by. That's why we have to repent. Okay? Okay, so let's launch into the following verses, right? Anyway, so grace and peace be multiplied to you. So the lesson, what I want to explain, right? <clears throat> yeah. Sorry, let's go to verse 3 as well. Sorry, I have to expound on it, right? Second Peter chapter, yeah, Second Peter chapter 1. Yeah, look at verse 3. Yeah, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, the problem with the Bible is, right, is that it's very compact. Can you see the compactness of that phrase that I've just read out in verse 3? Can you see how compact it is? Now, I'm going to teach you, right? Teach you, right? Look at verse 3. Look at it. Just listen, but look at it, right? Here it talks about as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, right? So what does that phrase mean? Is that God's power has given to us all things so that we can live the life that he wants. Yeah? His power has been given to us all things that we need to live a very close, intimate relationship with Him, 
to embrace eternal life and to have a godly life. He has. Right? Now the thing is, you may say, really? I don't see it. I don't feel it, isn't it? But then you have to incorporate the second part of verse 3. Look at verse second part of verse 3. Yeah, verse 3. Through, yeah, the divine power is through. Divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through what? Through the knowledge of him. Knowledge of who? Jesus Christ. Yes? Okay. Now I'm going to get you guys to think like this, right? Now, this is, this is where it gets a bit difficult. saw this woman to be their wife, they only saw this person as a woman. Then they only saw this person as a sister of Christ. Or they may see her as just So what I'm trying to explain There's a difference in the heart regarding human sister There's a difference. So why am I talking about this? So I give an illustration about Jesus being our king, right? Being our king. So most of the time we are stuck on God. cares for me, he provides for me, right? Then we move a little bit here. Oh, this king wants to give me eternal life. But then we miss out the most important thing. We are actually needing knowledge that can truly be changing. Does that make a difference? So, if I, okay, I talk about that. If I regard my wife just as a human being, I mean, lovely. I regard her as a sister in Christ, but a little bit improved, better than just Sister, right? But if I just regard her as a woman, if I regard her as a wife, hey, that's pretty true, never mind. 
Yeshivan comes from. Now, when we take that and incorporate it back into yeah, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, through knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, through knowledge of him. So basically, we need to make up our minds. If I truly believe Jesus is the one true God, King of kings, da, 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 all the bits, yeah? If I come truly to know him, then if I'm ready to obey him, will he give me all the power to live a spiritual life? Will he give me the power to live a godly life? He will, because he's the creator. He knows everything. He is able to guide me to become more godly in his sight. True? Yeah? But if you just see, oh, I just need him when I need him, then basically you won't get anywhere. You have to acknowledge God with your heart. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Verse 5. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Direct your paths. So this means that if we trust God, yeah, if we trust God and acknowledge him, acknowledge him according to the truth, by the way. Yeah. So if you are finding that your spiritual life is stuck or you're going backwards, it's your knowledge about Jesus that's gone wrong. It's been corrupted. So you need to ask Jesus that says, please, Lord, guide me into the truth of who you are so that I can have deep reverence and submission to you, regard you as holy, and I want to be holy like you. Yeah? So then you will give me the power to do what I'm supposed to do to become what you want me to become. And that is how we grow. Yeah. You know, one of, one of the dumbest things that I ever had in my life was to, to think, I've been trying so hard, right? Trying so hard to change and trying so hard to be renewed. And guess what? I don't get there. Why didn't I get there? I realized that my desire was half desire. It's half. Why is it half? Because there was a bit of my heart I didn't really want to change. I didn't want to pay the price. I didn't want to give up what I had. It's too hard to change. I didn't believe that it was possible. So the desire was not 100%. Isn't it true? So often, we just think about, oh yeah, you've got to believe, right? But the desire is missing. So it's also to do with examining how much do you desire. You can only truly, truly desire when you come close to God and let the word of God clean your heart out. So then you can have a pure desire for him and his will and his holiness. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Is that clear? Yeah? 
It's a desire thing. Fake, you can't fake it to make it in heaven. You can't. Yeah? And you just got to let God do salvation on you so that you can say, you know what? I need cleaning up. Right? Okay. Let's turn to Titus. <clears throat> now, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14 is important to understand. 2 Peter chapter 3. Yeah. All right. Let's turn to Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. All right. 11 to 14. Yep, 11 to 14. For Now, this is what I'm trying to give you the main points, right? For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now, if you look at verse 12, what does it say? Teaching us, ah, this is something I never realized before. The grace of God has appeared. The grace of God is not just an event that has happened in the past. The grace of God is an ever-present manifestation of God's love to us. Right? So, the grace of God teaches that. It teaches, yeah? This is where we go wrong. We just take the grace of God. Oh, I got a job when I couldn't get a job. Oh, oh, I got a good partner now. Oh, that was the grace of God. Oh, oh there was some church where I could not do now. I can, do you know what I mean? We are talking, we, we're basically, we need to renew our understanding what is the grace of God. Grace of God is not just these things. Grace of God is the grace of God. God wants to give us eternal life. True. He loves us, willing to forgive, da, 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 right? So the grace of God has appeared to us even, right? So this grace of God teaches us. It teaches us, okay? So I'm going to use an example. Suppose I am one of these people that are so generous, if your kidney is failing, you're going to die, right, if you don't get a transplant. So I said, Oh, I'm your match. I'm going to give you my kidney and so that you will have life. True? Okay? So, I die. I give you my kidney and I die, right? This happens, right? So, now you've got to think, right, I've got his kidney now. My dead kidney is dead and now I've got a new kidney, right? So, before, um, I was going to die lost my life, but now I have a new chance, true? So, if I've been, if you've been smoking, drinking, gambling, wasting your life, right? So now you have got the grace of my kidney in your body, right? You've got that in your life now. So the fact that you have gotten my kidney, that teaches you to live a new life, right? Because wouldn't it be abominable if I gave you my kidney and you went back to your old life? Wouldn't it be abominable? Your family will criticize you. Your friends will say, what are you doing? Da, 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 right? So when you receive the grace of God, what does that do? The grace of God teaches you two lessons. Let's look at verse 12, second part, right? Teach us what? 
Deny ungodliness and worldly lust. First part. Second part. Live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. When you've got the grace of God, these are the two things that you're supposed to do. You deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, right? But that is not all that the grace of God teaches us. Yeah? Verse 13. Verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. You now look forward to Jesus coming. If you have the grace of God and you don't look forward to Jesus' second coming and you're still scared whether you're going to be saved or not, then the grace of God has not fully been filling your heart. You're still doubting whether you're going to be saved or not. True? Now I want you to think for a moment here. Think for a moment. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that those who believe in him will have eternal life. True? God manifested in the flesh, took our sins upon himself, died a sinner's death even though he was sinless so that we may be free from sin and be adopted as sons of God. God has promised with a guarantee, with an oath, given us the Holy Spirit that he wants to take us to heaven. Is that the grace of God? That is the grace of God, not in theory. That is the grace of God, not only in practice. That is the grace of God. It's his absolute sincere intention. So you've got to believe not just the beginning of your salvation, you've got to believe in the end part of your salvation first. Once you believe in the whole grace of God, and you can see, yep, yep, God is going to save me. Since he's going to save me, I am definitely going to obey him. I'm not perfect now, but he said he's going to make me perfect. So I obey him step by step by step by step, and he is going to perfect me. Remember, go back to be like a kid first. The father says, be converted. Jesus says, be converted as a little child, and then you can get the kingdom of God. So you believe first, shrink down to be as a child, Follow the teaching, deny this, live like that, plus look forward to the hope that God says, this is what I want to give to you. Yeah? By the way, this is a funny thing, right? And, and I've tried this. Um, you know, <clears throat> when you go through the Bible with people, it says, are you saved? He says, yeah, 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 but... Say, are you saved? You say, yes, 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 but. <laughs> right? Well, if you're saying yes, 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 but, then that means there's a bit of, hmm, do you know what I mean? You can't have that. You can't have yes, yes, but. You have a yes, 
Yes, yes, full stop. Right? But here's another one, right? <laughs> Has anyone approached you and says, Hey, brother, you are a son of God. How do you feel if I say to you, Now you are a son of God. You will say, Whoa, isn't it? If I say to you, Oh, servant of God, you will say, you mean, yeah, you will go like that, you know? yeah. Now here's another one, right? You, whom God wants to impart immortality, how do you embrace that? Immortality, or you inheritors of God's immortality, you say. Let's turn to 1st Timothy chapter 6. 1st Timothy chapter 6. Let's look at verse 16. Who has immortality? Does angels have immortality? Or only Jesus has immortality? Only Jesus has immortality, right? Yeah? Let's go to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, let's look at verse 7, Romans chapter 2, verse 7, verse 7, does, will Jesus give us immortality? According to verse 7, Romans chapter 2, verse 7, does Jesus, is Jesus going to give us immortality? Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, right? Is there a spelling mistake? Is that a misprint? No. This is the gospel. The gospel is only Jesus has immortality and Jesus wants to make us like him. Is it true? Is that a big, massive grace of God? So when you don't give your 100% attention to His grace and knowledge, your grace and peace will not be multiplied because you're too occupied with the small things of this short, pitiful life. Your mind is just so minute and concerned with tiny little things that don't last forever and you you cherish it and you say oh god i have this life i've got to hold on to this life i've got to preserve this life i've got to pass on this life to my children right and then how are you supposed to have grace that teaches you to look forward to the glory eternal life you can't it's impossible Okay, anyway, can't go through the whole thing, but I think you get the gist of what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so, 
I just want to highlight one phrase in the third point. Look for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have the grace of God, your outlook in life is believing in Jesus' second coming. Yeah. Do you know uh, there are two workers, two workers of God that share this with me. One says, yeah, I'm going to go back where I belong. I'm going to go back to where I belong. Isn't that beautiful? I'm going back to where I belong because he has been working, working, working seriously hard in his salvation. He's going back to where he belongs. He can let go anything. Another worker. I've already written my will. Well, I'm going to get my will done. I know what, I'm, what I need to do. Ready. I just want to go to heaven. So when we, when we have this kind of thinking, isn't that, isn't that the grace of God in our hearts? Isn't that the grace of God in our hearts? Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. Now when you have the grace of God like that, if you look at verse 14, what are you going to do? You're going to let God redeem us from every lawless deed, purify in us a special people, zealous for good works. This is where you can put God first. I hope that, uh, that this, le these lessons helps you to understand how to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior, right? And that being holy, godly, is controlled by the grace of God, the true knowledge. Okay? So I'll continue this afternoon. Let's have a silent prayer. Amen. Take a break.